Hi, and welcome to The Rock's podcast. We are currently going verse by verse through the Gospel of Mark on Sunday mornings. We pray that these sermons encourage your faith. Now let's join Pastor Ross as we continue studying the life and teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, now we like to pause and just let you in the stillness of a moment of silence to quiet our hearts. The Holy Spirit is here. You promised that wherever two or three gather together in my name, that you would be in the midst of that. And so we honor your word by honoring your presence here by the powerful Holy Spirit. We ask, Lord Jesus, that these truths would, uh, you'd open our eyes to see these truths so that we can apply them. It's easy to hear it, God, but it's hard to live it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the free gift of eternal life is what the gospel is all about. And it's just that. It's free and available to whosoever, whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So God makes it pretty easy and pretty available to whosoever. But, uh, you know, it's getting us to that point that's the hard part right? It's not hard to accept the free gift, but getting to a place where you're open to accept that free gift of salvation to become a Christian, now that's a little tricky. And sometimes we have to swallow our pride and get over what we perceive to be some offensive statements in the Bible about who we are in comparison to God, our condition uh, spiritually before him. You know, for example, the Bible does call us all sinners, and that's not a very popular word. You know, I don't introduce myself that way. Hi, I'm Ross. I'm a sinner, you know. <laughs> Even though I am one, you know, I'm saved by God's grace, and I'm trying not to sin. But God says things like that, that we're weak and helpless and powerless to save ourselves. You know, uh, that can be offensive, and, and, it's a, and it's a main reason that keeps a lot of people from coming, because they don't like some of the um, kind of the slaps upside of the, the face of our soul, as the, as the saying goes. And so I remember once I was talking to somebody sharing the gospel to a guy who just lived a better life than many Christians, for sure. And so this guy is sitting there and, uh, you know, he's talking about he's an upstanding uh, citizen. He pays his taxes. He'd give you the shirt off his back, a basically a good guy and all of this. And then I say, well, no, and then he says, you know, are you meaning to tell me that I have to be saved in the same way as a thief, a drunk and a prostitute? Uh, yes is the is the answer because 
um, our good works aren't enough. And if our good works were enough, then Jesus wouldn't have to lay his life down on the cross to save us that way if we could only be good enough. And so there's a lot of offensive things that kind of keep people from coming to that free and easy salvation, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord. I, that's easy enough. But now listen, when the grace of God that's alive and active by the power of the Holy Spirit is activating saving faith in a person's heart, that faith is able to help you over those offenses. It's sort of, uh, I, I think of one of those uh, hurdle jumpers, you know, the, uh, in the Olympics, um, those well-conditioned athletes who just running down the lanes and those obstacles are right there, but they can jump over them so gracefully. And really, that's what this story's about here. It's a very unique incident. Jesus does not sound like Jesus. <laughs> he sounds a little off-putting. He sounds a little offensive. But it's the story's in here because it's so helpful for us to see a person who he knew, he set her up to succeed where many people would have failed. And so that's where we're headed. We're going to see really here in Mark chapter 7, a Gentile woman. Gentile just means non-Jewish. A non-Jewish woman, so ironic that she's going to get uh, called out for having great faith. Uh, but you know, we're going to see her display some pretty uh, fancy footwork with the hurdles. She, she and her faith are going to just kind of leap gracefully. The hurdles are high, and I promise you they're high. I'm about to read the text to you, but her faith lifts her higher. Take a look at the text. So Jesus leaves that place, Capernaum, Galilee, and he goes to the vicinity of Tyre and Sidon, South Lebanon today. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he couldn't keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a Canaanite woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet, crying out. She said, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly. The woman was a Greek born in Syrian Phoenicia, she begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away. She keeps crying out after us. First, let the children eat all they want, he tells her, for it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Wow. Lord, help me. She said, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he said, dear woman, you passed the test. You have great faith. Your request is granted. The demon's gone from your daughter, and her daughter was healed from that very hour. She went home and found her child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. Now, that's from Mark 7. We're going through the book of Mark, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Uh, but Matthew... 
one of the four Gospels outside of this one, uh, has a wider scope of information and details. So we, we put that in blue for you because I wanted the expanded full version so you could get the, the, the full impact of what's going on here. And a lot is going on here. So listen, uh, of this story, you could really say all's well that ends well <laughs> because the outcome's happy, right? in spite of some initial difficulty and some unpleasant trees. But God knew what was going to happen. He's testing. Oh, and there's, a, there's so much to learn about how and why he responded the way he did. So we are going to learn the secret, learn her secret of overcoming perceived offenses when God is quiet or when the scriptures say something that rub you the wrong way. Her faith is going to cause her to leap over those perceived offenses and get the prize, the prize of a healed daughter, not to mention her own saved soul. So who's up for a trip to southern Lebanon? Tyre, that's where we're headed because that's where Jesus is standing and this woman is falling at his feet. It's 40 miles north west of Galilee. And Mark's new theme now, the next few stories, is the gospel going to Gentiles. The word Gentile just means actually nations. And, and all it, it came to be sort of a pejorative word to Jews and Gentiles, right? But um, Gentiles just means non-Jewish. And so the gospel, as God always intended, was for the whole world, for God so loved the whole world, right? But he started with the Jews, and so that's what we got to talk about here is the beginning. So, so this divides quite nicely. I'm just going to leave it up today. We won't parse it out. But just so you know, you can follow along with me, note takers. First, I'm going to talk about faith's approach. That faith, true faith, will bring you to Jesus. That's what it does. You can talk all day long about, oh, I've got faith, I've got faith. But if you're not near Jesus and it's not propelling you to Christ, then you don't have faith because that's what faith does. It brings you to the feet of Jesus. Secondly, we're going to see some faith's obstacles, the hurdles uh, that are in between her and the prize. And there are in your life. There are hurdles. You are vulnerable to offenses. There's a lot in there to rub us <laughs> the wrong way. And then in our natural selves. And then thirdly, you're going to see faith's power. She's going to soar up there like a graceful gazelle, leaping over those hurdles, no problem, and she's going to get her reward. So let's dig in with Faith's approach, okay? Well, first of all, you're going to find Jesus now traveling uh, for the very first time outside the limits of Israel, uh, as I said now, uh, modern-day South Lebanon, it's the only time he ever goes outside the boundaries in the entire Gospels. He's looking to bring the Gospel to an enlarged world, now not just the boundaries of Israel, but he's in, in hostile territory now. Now, the Bible says she's a Greek, but they don't mean that she's, she's a Greek uh, racially because we're told that she's a Canaanite. Uh, to say she's a Greek is the same word for Gentile. So she speaks Greek. She's in, in the secular international language. She's Greek in language and in culture, but by uh, race, she's a descendant of the Canaanites. Now, 
Uh, here, a little reminder, historical context of why the verse is sure to tell you this woman all about where she's from, because it matters and it make you understand why Jesus is acting the way he is. Now, as I said, it's always God's desire for salvation from the very beginning to be offered to the entire world. I'm quoting uh, 2 Timothy chapter, one, uh, chapter 2, verse 4. God, our Savior, wants all men and women to come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says that he is not willing that anyone should perish. So he had a plan to save the world, but that plan has part one and part two, and part one is the Jews. Embryonic Christianity, the foundation of the Christian house, is Judaism. Judaism is the bottom floor of Christianity, and even that can be offensive to some people. So listen, so it's important to understand this. He starts with a a man, I almost called him a dude, (laughs) Abraham. Abram, okay, the dude. (laughs) And it starts with him, and he says, you're going to be the first Hebrew. He has an ancestor named Eber, transliterated to English. You can kind of get Hebrew. That's where the word Hebrew comes from. He, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are the, are the patriarchs of the, of the Jewish faith and of Israelites, right? And so he makes a great promise to them. He says, oh, there's going to be no one like you. You're going to be my special people. Uh, then he says, but through you, I will bless the world, you see? So even in the... Uh, the founding father of Judaism, he's saying, yes, you're going to be blessed as a nation. Your descendants will outnumber the stars in the sky, even though you can't have kids. I'll make that happen. But he also says, through you, because through them, the Messiah is related. The God-man, the man part, (laughs) is blood to Abraham, you see? And so part one, was gathering the people. He put them in, a, in an incubator called Egypt slave pits for 400 years so they could only breed with Hebrews. You've got a nation of Hebrews for 400 years. He revealed himself to the Jewish people, and this is important. I'm building. A re- just follow me. This is in a little rabbit trail. This is actually on the trail. <laughs> he revealed himself his character, his name, his intent, his prophecies, his commands, his promises, temple, protocols for worshiping God. He told us about the Messiah that would come through them who would reign and rule and save the world. And he entrusted that to the Jews. And he told them through their own prophet. He says in Isaiah 49 and verse six, he says, I have appointed you I wrote it down here. He says, I have appointed you to be a light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. That's Old Testament. So here's the Messiah following through on that, coming to hostile territory outside of not just Israel, his covenanted people, but to those outside. Now, that's, this is why we have all through the New Testament sayings that say, for, for example, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. It has nothing to do with value. It has everything to do with functionality. 
Just like you could say, sometimes you hear the roles, biblical roles of husband and wife. And, and the Bible talks about for functionality, the husband should be the head and the wife should come under, right? And do this beautiful dance where one is leading. You, you know, even this can be offensive. But it's a husband and wife team of equal value, equal worth, different roles, different function, that's all. And that's what happened with Israel and the rest of the world to the Jew first, and then to the Gentiles. Well, let's fast forward the tape now. And we've got this covenant people who are going to be a light to the world. They need to live somewhere. The slave pits aren't going to make it, right? So he says, I've got some land for you. The current tenants are the most wicked people on the planet. They will get in the way of me bringing a savior. So I'm going to bring judgment on them and wipe them out. And I'm going to give you, Israel, their land. So up they come from Egypt, cross over into Jericho, and, and now they're in the land. And the people there, wicked, tossing their kids in the fire. You know the Leviticus codes when you're reading Leviticus to help you get to sleep at night? <laughs> what? <laughs> Check out Leviticus 18. Oh, you'll be up for an hour reading that because there are laws about things you're like, ooh, why would you have to say that? Like common sense. Oh, no, because that's what those people were doing. And he said, when you move in and they move out, do not do anything like they did. And so in they came. But Joshua did not follow through, and left pockets of these, here's what they were, absolute terrorists, all right? And they hated the new tenants, and they remained in pockets. And one of the pockets was Tyre and Sidon, these terrorists. By the way, the nation's called Canaan, Canaanites. And this woman is a descendant of the terrorists who currently... Her father hates Israel, hates the God of Israel, would just as soon kill a Jew than look at him. Her father, her husband. Why isn't the husband there? Not going to some Jewish Messiah. Can't stand those people. Can't stand their God. I can't stand that they're conservative. Sorry. Well, they were. I can't stand the way they worship and all of this. I can't stand their attitudes. I don't want anything to do with it. And she's like, but honey, our daughter, and I heard that he can do. No, I don't want any of it, probably. She's got a brother. Could be in jail for terrorizing the nation. And here she comes. She's just like, hey, I need a favor. I'm a Canaanite. Okay, have we met? Oh, you know, just like, okay, we're getting there. We're getting there. And so the... The, the Israel's bitterest enemies for centuries dominated Tyre and Sidon. And here she comes. Well, the good news, what did the angel say? Christmas time angel, right? Good news, a great joy for who? All the people. So it's time to open the borders, right? And so the last sermon was on the difference between now unclean Jewish perspective, unclean and clean food and defilement. And so Jesus was saying, in me, no such thing. 
You can eat whatever you want. It's clean. Now he's, Mark's moving to show you from unclean to clean food to stop seeing life as unclean and clean people. That's why this story's after spiritual defilement. And so Jesus is going to bring that out. He does it in a most peculiar way, but he does uh, bring it out. So it's just interesting. He came to his own. John chapter one and verse 10 says, listen to this. Jesus came to his own. Those people had 300 prophecies in their laps looking at them. He came to his own. Jesus is on every page of the Old Testament. I can find him on every page. Types and characters and prophecies. You can't miss him. And they missed him. The nation remains a Jewish nation. It will not stay a Jewish nation according to prophecy, but to this day. So it says, he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to anyone who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. And this is what's going on here. Somebody's going from the outside. Somebody's going to become from somebody who eats just crumbs up because of no relationship with God to somebody who sits at the king's table. And that's what this is all about. So let's check this out here. The, the, uh, this Canaanite has faith and it's evidence of it. So we're taking a look at her approach, right? First of all, you see this beautiful truth here. I love this. Jesus kind of is intending this not be a big scene. He's in Gentile territory. That's a no-no for Jews, uh, but he's got some ministry to do. He's going to walk in to a house. He's trying to keep it quiet from unnecessarily offending people so he can do his work. But it says he cannot be hidden. And this is just a beautiful truth to just reflect on right here at the beginning. Wherever Jesus is, he, he just can't be hidden. He finds a way. You know, we like to tell him, you know, hang out in the back room while my company's over. You know, Jesus in the back closet. I'm at work. You know, shh, you stay in the closet. You know, wherever Jesus is, he finds a way to come and bless. You cannot hide him. You see, just a beautiful little application right there. Well, this woman's had a change of heart from whatever she's been involved in. If she was a Canaanite, a true one, she worshiped at the brothel. Baal worship. That was their worship. They wanted nothing to do with Israel's God that was right down the street from them. Oh, no, no, no. They went to a brothel and that was their religion. Was she involved in that? Well, whatever her connection to her husband, her father, the community of hostile people against the Messiah and against Israel, whatever that was, she's had a change of heart because what? She's quivering, falling down, begging this Jewish Messiah for help. What happened to her? She had a change of heart. And do you know what that's called? That's called repentance. The word for repentance is metanaeo. In the Greek, it means to have a change of mind. That's all it is. When Jesus says repent, all it means is just change your mind. Change your mind about what you're doing, how you live on your own, doing life your way, involved in your sin. And change your mind and, and, and trust in God instead and, and give your, your life over to the Lord. That's all it is. And something happened in her when she heard. You see in the text, she heard. That's the only way people get saved. You hear the gospel and 
She believed, and look, faith will drive you to Jesus because you believe that he's the answer to whatever's bothering you, whatever problem you have. And so what brought her to Jesus is her faith, but her also a big need, and that's the love of a mom for a daughter who's suffering. Now, one writer said, notice this, notice her faith, her change of heart caused by felt need. Now, here's what felt need means. Felt need is is a need that's felt deeply and profoundly. So when you're feeling guilty or empty or what's life about, or, or somebody leaves you or breaks your heart, or the doctor goes, hmm, something like that. You have a need. You have a fear. You have something. You know, one guy wandered here on a Wednesday night, and he says, I'm a, I'm a professor at Sonoma State University. I'm a pretty smart guy. But I've got a problem that I cannot figure out, and I need some help. Well, he ended up that night becoming a born-again Christian. We prayed at the cross there. He serves now currently at the church. He and, and his wife, who also came to the Lord. Now, yeah, you know them, right? <laughs> I just don't want to call them out, you know, but you figured it out. Yeah, okay, I'll just give their initials. No, just. <laughs> he had a felt need. It's like, man, I can't figure this out. And then there's just come in. The world loves to say, you're only a Christian because you're, you know, and then you, you lay it out. They, they fill in the blank. You're only, and one guy tells me, you're only a Christian because you don't want to go to hell. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> You've got a problem with that? You want to go? You know, that is why I became a Christian. I had a vision. I had a vision of me and hell, and I didn't like the vision. I'm like, and here's the thought that was in my head. Why will you go to hell when you don't have to? And that's the first voice I heard from the Lord. That's the first thing he said to me. This is unnecessary. Why would you do that? Why would you willingly say, I want to go there and jump off the cliff? Why would you do that? I'm like, I have no good answer for that. (laughs) And she knew Jesus was the one. She's done. Look at her. She's done (laughs) playing games, excusing herself, justifying herself, hesitating, dragging her heels. She's done with that. Something's bigger than her pride and her hesitations and her procrastinations and all her biases. Done. Something outweighed it for me. It was like, I'm not going to hell because I like to party. I'm sorry. I liked the party. I was 19 years old. But going to hell was like, woo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. No, thank you. And, and her vision of her mom's made me a single mom. She, she is, in all intents and purposes, man, she comes screaming with faith as soon as she heard about him. Listen, folks, that's why the Bible says in Romans 10, verse 17, faith comes from hearing. You have to hear. That's why you got to talk. You don't have to be an evangelist. I promise you. Maybe you're an introvert. Maybe you're a new Christian. Maybe you don't know what to say. But you can say, hey, when the door opens, hey, I used to be like this, but now, you know, I'm not afraid anymore about that. Or your coworker says something. And it's kind of like time freezes where, where they say, you know, I've just always been afraid to die. And then there's this, this pregnant pause. It's like the angels are screaming at you, like, 
That's your turn. It's your turn, buddy. Come on. They're like, come on, talk. You've got to talk. That's the only way people will come to know the Lord. You don't have to be waving Bibles. You don't have to be a Bible thumper. Somebody just mentioned to her, hey, there's somebody, saw the daughter, said, hey, that Jewish Messiah, he's been casting out demons. He's been raising up dead people. Maybe you should go. That's all she heard. That's it, done. That was enough for her. He's the man. And so blessed sickness and anguish and despair. If it gets you to Jesus, you know, I have a pastor friend who shall remain nameless, Dave Galindo. <laughs> Those are just his initials. A, 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 young, <laughs> a young lady when he was 23 or so, he found his soulmate. And he tells the story was that they were going to get married and all of this. And she woke up one day and said, I don't love you. Goodbye. And he went down. He was working in the city. And he went down and he said, he tells the story, walking around in circles, talking to himself, his heart just bleeding. Just his life was over. And he said he looked up in the sky and said, God, you got to help me. And God put the name of the one Christian he knew far away. Oh, up in the mountains somewhere, logging country. And Dave got in the car and he drove a beeline to this cabin and he knocked on the door and the door and the Christian guy was still there. And the Christian guy opens the door. He had worked with him and he knew he was a Christian. And the guy said, hey, Dave, it's been a while. And he goes, this girl broke my heart. And, and the guy started laughing. <laughs> and Dave didn't find that funny. <laughs> He's like, come on in here. I got something to tell you. And he led him to the Lord. But blessed breakups, blessed doctor's reports, blessed bankruptcy. My father had a bankruptcy. Jewish man, 55 years old, had always had life by the tail, my dad. And then something slipped. And he looked up. And he remembered some of his Jewish Hebrew school stuff, and he got saved. So now, yes, this is a classic bunny trail of mine. That's an official down the little bunny path, but I throw that in there. For free. <laughs> You've been down my bunny paths. At least they're free. I could charge you. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> 25 cents. All right. So moving on. Yeah, she's in. But wait, there's more. Her faith. Come on. Look at her faith. Son of David. Here's what she's saying. I'm no, I'm no ordinary Canaanite, sir. <laughs> I'm calling you by your Jewish title. How many Canaanites would call you son of David? There's prophecy in the Old Testament, which she heard about, that said, God told King David, from your body, sir, I'm going to bring the eternal God, Messiah, King of kings and Lord of lords. He will be blood related to you through the womb of a virgin, conceived of the Holy Spirit. He will be the God-man. But the man part will be related to King David. She's caught on. And she's saying, here's what she's saying. I acknowledge the, the Hebrew scriptures. I acknowledge your title. I acknowledge that King David is a Jewish king. And you're related to him in fulfillment of Bible prophecy. I believe that you are Lord. 
calling him Lord. And that's not the sir, that's the Lord, Lord. And she's at the Lord's feet. Come on. It would seem that she has all the ingredients to get a miracle, right? But here's the deal with Jesus. He wants to give her more than what she's asking for. He wants to heal her. He wants to draw out of her some precious things. And he's going to do it in some untraditional ways. Let's take a look at now. We're in point two. Uh, faith's obstacles or hurdles. I like the word hurdle. So verse 26, provided by the evangelist Matthew, shows a delayed response, silence. He does not answer her a word, a screaming, Lord, help me, Lord, help me, my daughter, my daughter, help me, help me, help me. And Jesus is obviously to people quiet. I mean, you could take that as ignoring her, he can't be ignoring her because that would be rude. And 1 Corinthians says love, that, love is not rude. And 1 John 4 says that God is love. Therefore, people, he cannot be acting rude. He is being quiet for a reason. When God's quiet, he's doing some testing. He likes to do this. And it's surprising when God's a little bit quiet, a little bit hesitating, isn't jumping when we come calling right away. It's amazing what kinds of revelations you can have about your genuine faith and how committed you are. Well, just because God is just a little slow, on your, according to your clock, just a little quiet for your liking. It's just amazing the things we see. And the first thing you see here is a test. That's what he's doing. And he's looking at the disciples. This is how I imagine it. He's looking at his disciples. She's going, help me, Lord. My little girl, help me. And, and he's looking at his the disciples. What should I do, guys? Just what, what should, should I let this mom with a demonized daughter just... <laughs> she's screaming, she's screaming, she's screaming. He wants them to connect dots. He's saying, do you guys get it yet? He's always asking them, are you guys so dull? He says that a lot. He wants to know, are you going to have another dense, epic fail here? Are you, are, are you going to? And they are. Oh, oh, they are. He's like, come on, I came. I have compassion. I've already healed Gentiles. Oh, he already has healed and talked to Gentiles. And they've seen it. There's no excuse. But she's hysterical and she's messy. And she's married to a terrorist. Joshua couldn't get rid of them all, and she's one of them. Ooh. And what is it? What do they say? He's waiting. He's waiting. Do you get it? Do you get my heart? Do you get the mission? Are we on the same page? Testing, testing. You know, this is the emergency broadcasting system. This is only a test, and it was. It was a test. And they fail it again and say, Lord, get rid of her. She's making a scene, calling us. She's after us. Lord, get rid of her. Make her go away. Oh, they have failed on two big points. Number one, Peter, James, and John. First of all, I am not worthy to tie Peter, John, Peter, Peter, John's, Peter, James, and John's shoelaces. They are beyond reproach as far as I'm concerned. So I don't want to sound a little arrogant. Well, listen up, Peter, James, and John. 
But listen up, <laughs> not so much. Listen, they don't want you. She, she doesn't want you guys. Where does she say, disciples, help me for my daughter? You know, oh, disciples, disciples. No, 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 no. What is she? Over and over again, Lord, Lord, Lord. Well, whose feet is she falling at? Peter, James, and John's? The Lord. But somehow, some disciples get a sense of over-importance. Over-importance is that I'm so important because God works in me and through me and that they're wanting me. Oh, no, 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 no. The only reason you ever are drawn to any Christian minister is because of what you're getting through them. Right? You're looking for Jesus. You're not looking for that guy. You're not looking for a personality. But they, you know, disciples get that way, and so do you, and so, so do I. We think, wow, look at people. I'm really valuable to people. Well, you know what? There's another dude across the way at another church, and you can get what you need there as well, right? Because it's Jesus, right? So the disciples fail there, you know. <laughs> She's not crying after you. She's crying after the Lord, and then the second way they fail is they blow it because he came to save hysterical, messy, sobbing, evil involved history of Canaanite-ism. Where was she last night? The disciples are saying, at the brothel. That's what they're thinking. Ooh, send her away. And Jesus said, ooh, I, I came for ooh. I'm, I'm going to die on the cross for you. I'm going to die on the cross for you. <laughs> Jonathan, you get the assist there. I saw it coming, but you helped me. There. <laughs> I died on the cross for that. He became our sin. And somehow, Christians, once we get saved and set free from it, it is disgusting, some of it. But it's disgusting, but that's who he wants to heal and set free. And if we're turned off by, we're his hands and feet. We're his reps. So if you discount anybody, anybody, oh, they make more money than I do. You know, beggars. Yeah, right. What are you doing? You can think that, but you don't verbalize it. Keep a banana or, or a little card for a... Meals only, so you're a wise steward. But never trash somebody. Send her away, send them away. Ooh, yicky. <laughs> That's the gospel. That's your mission. That's your calling. That's your savior. That's what he wants. You know, find yourself working against and hindering the work that God wants to do in people who are broken. And all I have to do is ask you to think back to yourself and your, your brokenness, and your, bro your current brokenness. Right. Who are you without the grace of God? Who am I without the grace of God? Scary is the answer. So her test, why is he being quiet with her? He's saying, just patient, I know. I want the whole world to see you. I know what those legs can do. I know you are going to spring over this. You are going to come out of this. I'm going to put this in my word, but I just need to test you a little bit. I'm going to be quiet for a while. Hang with me. It's a test. And as I said to the first uh, congregation, the first uh, service, boy, 
Nothing will expose phony faith from the real deal than when God's just a little bit quiet. Listen, folks, why do we always say, well, God really answered a prayer? He answers every single prayer. A no is an answer. A wait for a minute is an answer, just like yes. But all we ever see is uh, only the yes, God came through for me, finally. But when the no, when he's answering no, or just wait, or could you give me a minute? Christians, give him a minute to put things in place. Maybe he needs more than a minute. That's like, chop, chop, God, let's do this. And then, God forbid, he doesn't get busy chop, chopping. And then you find out, oh, what's really in your heart? Watch out for that. He likes to be quiet for a while and say, are we good? Or do I need to just just answer every little prayer right when you clap? Are you going to turn and walk if things get a little quiet? She doesn't. She keeps knocking. Hello. (laughs) Hello. Lord. Hello. Lord. I'm talking to you. Eyes over here. Eyes over here. She's not afraid to wait because faith isn't afraid to wait. Faith knows, hey, if I'm waiting, I'm waiting for a good cause because God is good and he's got my best interest in his heart. So if he's not jumping through the hoops, I want him to jump through. Phew. This is a good thing. That's faith. That's faith. So faith keeps after it. Jesus said, don't give up. Keep praying. God's timetable. He's instilling character. He's deepening your faith. He's getting things in place. He's drawing us closer. He's teaching us to trust. Give God some room to be a little quiet and don't get so tripped up when he seems to delay. Amen? Now, if it's the apparent cold shoulder is a hurl. If the cold shoulder is not enough to derail her and get her out of there, then a perceived insult, a slap in the face, spiritually speaking, how does she do with that? Whoa, she does pretty good. Let's look at that now. All right, so the hurdles, right? Still, the apparent uh, rudeness so I already said it's impossible for the Lord to be rude. So he's doing something else here. And let's just cut to the chase here. It's pretty easy. Um, he says, first let the children, Israel's in relationship with God. He, he calls them, I'm a father to Israel. They're covenanted. They have promise. He has relationship. Children, father, daddy, we talk. Let the children, he says, eat all they want. It's not right to give, take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Now, to soften it just a little bit, he doesn't use the feral dogs word. He uses the puppies words. Now, it doesn't help that much, but, <laughs> but it helps a little for me. He says, I, we don't throw, you know, don't go shopping or, you know, the lobster and the steak and the caviar and then bring it home for Fido, right? Which, which is a slap. That's a slap. I feel a slap, you know? People who read that are like, what? What is going on? But we know who Jesus is. We know it's not a slap. It's a setup. 
It's a test. Here's what he's saying. He's just saying, listen, lady, dear woman, favors like the one you're asking me and asking God for are given to those who are in right relationship with God. Are you? That's the test here. Hey, well, we haven't talked. I don't know anything about you, you know. And, and did he smile when he said it? Commentator said, oh, to see the video, to hear the tone, to hear maybe he's playing around tongue in cheek with this, a gl- glimmer, glint in his eye when he says that. He says, hey, it's not right to, with a smile, like begging her to say, come on, stay with me, stay with me. And she does. She, she gets it. She's a Canaanite. Everybody in the crowd knew what Canaanites stand for. And you could just barge in, and, and in the, from the crowd's perspective, you just barge in. Don't even know the Lord. You don't care about the Lord. You, last night, you were all over the place. And you just think you just come in here and just say, hey, give what belongs to covenanted Israel, who are his people. Give me that. And so God, God just says, Jesus saying, I just want to clear things up. You know, it would be like the atheist who, you know, does a petition to get rid of the Ten Commandments in the courtyard square because it's so terrible. You know, oh, we saw a cross on the freeway. So he's the one behind that. It's just tear that cross down. And he persecutes every known Christian at work. He makes life miserable for Christians. And he's always out there mocking and persecuting. And then suddenly he needs a need. And he says, hey, God, you know, I need this. Really? Just no repentance, no, no, no connection, no, no, no change of heart. Just give me this. The Lord just saying, is that what's happening here? Knowing full well it's not. And this reminds me of a joke. (laughs) There was this atheist. (laughs) And he loved nature. And he took a nature walk in this beautiful mountainous place. And he was espousing to himself the glories of evolution. And he was so thankful for Mother Nature. The, the wind was blowing through the trees and the brook was babbling. The birds were chirping and it was just a beautiful day. And he was thanking Mother Nature and just, just ooing and aahing at the wonder of evolution when suddenly he came upon a very hungry-looking grizzly bear robbed of her cubs and licking her lips. Well, he turned and ran, and he ran, and he ran. And an exposed root stumbled him, and he fell over, tripped, and landed on his back. And he said, oh, my God. And all of a sudden, everything froze. You know, the wind kind of stopped. The trees stopped swaying. The brooks stopped flowing. The birds stopped chirping, and a voice came. And the voice said, well, who is this? I've never made your acquaintance. I'm, I hear you need some help. And he's like, God, wow. Is that you? You're talking to me. Yes, here I am. And he says, uh, I see you're in kind of a jam. You know, the bear's frozen right above him. <laughs> he says, yeah, I need you to help me. 
And he goes, well, we've never met. And you, how do you feel about this? Do you think I should just help you after all that you've done to oppose me and hurt people and mock me and blaspheme against the, the, the Bible? And I, and I should just save you from this bear. And he says, okay, okay, I get it. You shouldn't do those things for me. I don't deserve it. I, I do have one request. I do have a Christian coworker, and she's so nice. Would you do me one favor? Would you make the bear have a heart of a Christian? And the Lord said, I could do that. So the wind starts blowing, and the birds start chirping, and the brook starts flowing. And it's live. And the bear is right above him with one paw ready to do his business. Well, suddenly, he raises the other paw, puts it together, bows his head, and says, Lord, for the food I'm about to receive, I give you thanks. Come on, that's the best joke I've had in a long time. Oh, no, 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 folks. We live in a world just like that. We live in a world, and, God, and Jesus just clearing this up with this statement. Have you ever seen the bumper sticker that says, God bless us all? You know what she's saying? It was a woman. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. As I roll it down the window, let me t- <laughs> The bumper sticker is saying, we will tell you who to bless, and that would be everybody, not just your Christian people. God bless us all. We'll tell you who to bless. He says, I will bless those who come to my son, who are cleansed by his blood, who are made reconciled to me, through their faith in Christ, I will bless them. And by the way, he does bless the world. He does. There's general blessings out there. Jesus himself said, my father sends rain on farmers for their crops who bless his name and who curse his name. So yes, he does. But the idea is we can get whatever we need. We don't have to acknowledge him, Christ, the Bible, Christians, nothing. Just get busy. God bless me. That's what Jesus is saying to the woman. Are you one of those kinds of people? Or are you going to recognize, and here comes her answer, her faith that puts her over. She says, yes, Lord. Now, first of all, (laughs) to be called a dog today is a compliment. All right? I feel you, dog. (laughs) Uh, All right? (laughs) One guy tells me, this is my dog. You know, not dog, G-D-O-G, D-A-W-G. <laughs> she could have said, listen, there's so many ways this story could have been gone bad. Who are you calling a dog? My husband said you would say something like that. True to form. Let me give you 15 reasons why I'm no dog. There's so many ways for her to come back and miss it. Because something Jesus said rubbed her the wrong way. And he's like, with me, stay with me, stay with me. And she says, I can't. And she says, yes, Lord. She says, listen. She says, I don't want 
anything the family should get. I'm not asking you to deny the Israelites anything. But remember, even the little pooches under the table are so happy when they get a little something of the leftovers. Just a little something. And that little something is my little daughter. This little pooch. You calling me a dog? Woof, woof, Lord. (laughs) Woof, woof. Uh, All right? Uh, Right? He was not calling her a dog. He's questioning things. Who are you? What do you believe? And all of this. But she's the kind of woman who says, oh, if you think I'm a dog, woof, woof. Whatever needs to happen here because I have faith that whatever's going on here is okay. Like Job's faith that said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Naked I came in. Naked I go out. Should I only expect God to bless me with good stuff? Job says after losing his kids, all his possessions, his home, his kids all died. And he still blesses the Lord in faith. Faith jumps over those hurdles when prayers don't get answered the way you expected. Because faith will say, he's averting a disaster by letting a tragedy happen. He's letting, he's averting something worse that may have happened. When I get there, I'll find out and I'll thank him. That's her faith that says, hey man, you're calling the shots. I'm just a pooch and I'll take whatever leftovers you got. You got any? And he says, leftovers? Are you kidding me? (laughs) Great is your faith. And I'm only going to say that to two people in the scriptures. And you're one of them. And for now until 2,000 years and into eternity, people will be talking about your heroic faith. You're not a pooch. You're at the table. Because of what? Because of your faith. Wow. Can we learn from her, people? All our offenses that, oh, we take so to heart. You know, when he says, hey, you're a sinner. uh, Oh, here's a good one. Your righteous deeds, he says, without Christ are but filthy rags. So the guy who says, hey, I've done this. I give to charity. I'm a good guy. I don't, I don't swear. I don't cuss. I don't whatever. I don't do this and I, don't, I do this. Jesus says, all that without the blood of Christ. All of that isn't good enough. Why would I lay down my life and die for somebody who could be good enough? He says, that's like stinky. The word is soiled or defiled. He says, your goodness is like a stinky, I'm sorry, but it is the Hebrew. It is a diaper. Your goodness. Think of the best thing that you've done. And he says, it's like a nuclear diaper with a, you know. <laughs> I just changed one. I hadn't been in a diaper for 30 years. <laughs> and, I, and I got the joy of babysitting one who had a diaper. And, and uh, it's so funny. Can I tell you? Yes, I'm going to tell you. So. <laughs> He got dropped off, right? And I'm alone. And I got him. And he's like, get pa, get pa. You know? And um, I said, hey, before you go, I think, I think it needs to be changed. And he says, he checked. And he goes, no, 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 no. Nothing. Right? As soon as the car pulled out of the driveway, I, I, I hear it go off, you know? And I'm feeling it. That's like, whoa, what was that? That was an earthquake, <laughs> you know? 
And I'm like, oh, I have to do this. And so prayerfully and with a lot of help by God's grace, I mean, you know, the tabs are like, where are those tabs? And just so I just kind of, it, it all worked out. So you just chop this whole part out of the, <laughs> no, it's because it was your son. <laughs> and even a dirty diaper for Xander is cute. <laughs> all right. So he says, hey, the goodness, your goodness, your goodness is not enough. It smells bad to God. Your best deed. Faith just jumps and says, absolutely, and it makes you love grace more. It makes you value eternal life more. It makes you want to serve him better, to acknowledge the truth about ourselves, even though it's a little bit of a, right? As if you can't get over those truths, you'll never make it to heaven. And you won't be a very productive Christian either. Let's have her kind of faith and soar over those hurdles. Hey, let me show you this. We're closing out. What, you know, what is it for you? You've got something that's bugging you. Do not smash your shins into that thing and go toppling over. You're going to hurt yourself. You've got something. But faith will say, hey, lay back into faith. Trust me. And suddenly you're going to gain that elevation. You're going to look graceful. You're going to get over that. Let it go. Your God is good. You trust him. That's him on the cross. Bleeding out for you. He's got your name on his mind. Get over it through faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we all have these things that rub us the wrong way and just make us believe lies that aren't true, that you don't care, you're far from us, or you don't hear us, our prayers, or answer them. All of that nonsense, Lord, we just give it to you. Now, Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. There's a lot of deep things going on. We just pray that you would minister to us as we reflect on the presence of the Lord here by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvarytherock.org.